0: Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of what normally is 100% Hits Volume Pod Uh, A bit of a different episode this week So, I'm not sure how many people uh, would know, but in the news uh, this week Fellow comedian, Bella Green, uh, passed away um, It was earlier last week And I thought it'd be nice to pay tribute to her by putting an episode that was behind the paywall um, That she did with me Called Top Five. Um, we did, looked at the 1996 Hot 100 and chose our top five songs from each. And just a music chat. Uh, Bella was really, really funny, really great. We chatted lots about music. We had very similar tastes in bands, especially growing up. And I'm putting this out there because one, it's a like she was great, and two, there is a uh, GoFundMe to pay for funeral costs. And I'll put the link in the show notes. So if anyone out there, I understand money is tough, but if you enjoyed either my podcast that I did with Bella or Bella's book or her stand-up or just want to help out, um, you can go there and donate to uh, the funeral costs and also um, to look after her cats that she had. Um, Yeah. Anyway, this is the episode. Please enjoy it. Remember Bella, she was really, really great, and I'll see you next week with regular programming. Hello and welcome to this episode of Top 5, the Patreon-only podcast where me, Josh Earle, and a good friend of mine, we talk about the top five things from a topic of your choice or my choice this week it's my choice because it's music again and today my special guest is bella green hurrah
1: hi thanks for having me
0: hey bella how you doing
1: um lockdown crazy yeah. totally stir crazy so it's well, been very fun to listen to a hottest 100 and i know have an activity to do
0: so this is a th- for the listeners who it's in the title but we're counting down the top five songs from the hottest 100 from the year 1996. Now, when I put this up, lots of people are going, oh, that was the best year. But I, all the people who are saying that are about my age. So I'm like, yeah, you think it's the best year because that's the year when you were your coolest. Okay. So how old were you in 1995? 96? In 96, I was 11. 11. Yeah. See, so a little bit too young. Yeah. For see, this. for me,
1: I was like, can we have the 99? Like, yeah. like The 1999 is my peak um, so, Hottest 100, it's the one that has like all the dead butterflies on display.
0: Yeah. Is that like the Queen, Queens of the Stone Age in that yep. one? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm trying to put my head around cause this was, I was in year 10 going into year 11, oh, which in Tasmania, perfect. you, you feel like you're really advancing because you go to a different campus, you go to a different school and it's like real kind of like what. Beverly Hills 90210 was in terms of people just kind of walking around. There's a cafeteria. You call your teachers by your first names. That's what it was like at Heli College. And so this that summer where they did this, it was like, oh, wow, a whole new world's opening up to me. And Triple J was really important for that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. for me in
1: 96, like I think turning about 11 is when I discovered music and started buying music for myself and doing that. And, yep. of course, the stuff I was buying was like the Spice Girls, but I would watch Rage and video hits yep. every weekend morning. So it's pretty much everything on this is already in my subconscious. So you grew from... up in Perth.
0: I did. Yeah, so that had – like Triple J was always in Perth, I'm guessing. Like it wasn't like uh... – so, were you listening to Triple J though at that age? You probably wasn't. No, I
1: was listening to Triple J by the time it was like 99, 2000, yeah, when I okay. was like 14, 15. Yeah. But so many of these songs off this hottest 100, I'm like, I remember that iconic video clip from Rage yeah. in 96, you know?
0: Yeah. So, I, because then someone also put a, a study up saying that apparently when you're 15, the age of 15 to 17, the albums or music that came at them, that's what, Stays with you for the rest of your life as well. So, I don't know if that's true. I, looking through this list, I go, yeah, I, I can see that. There's some some big name artists who I've got pretty much their whole back catalogue in my CD collection. So, let's let's kick this off. How this works is, you go th- your number five, I go my, my number five. I also should point out for listeners who are overseas, Triple J is the alternative radio station. It's it's built as a youth radio station, but you know, there's a guy on there who's like in his 50s who hosts the new music show. So I don't know what, what they're going on there, but here we go. So Bella Green, the number five song from the Hottest 100, 1996.
1: Uh, for me, it is Everclear, Santa
0: Monica. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I am still living with your ghost Lonely and dreaming of the West Coast I
1: don't want to be your downtime. I don't want to be your stupid. I love, I think Everclear are like such a, they almost feel like a guilty pleasure band because they were really like almost soft rock in that kind of post grunge era. They really are poppy, but they have, I reckon, five or six songs that are just jams that I can still put on the best of Everclear and just skip through to those songs while I'm driving and have a bloody great time it
0: is very funny these a band like this who they're not in my list they're not in my five but I they do bring up such a memory of being 15 and because it they, they're very accessible like they're a little bit alternative but not really but the, what I think what sours them for me is that they brought in they were kind of the influence for a lot of bad copycats of that southern California kind of like hey, we're kind of dudes and we're going to sing about dude stuff and, yeah. But-
1: For me, I really got into this song when I was 20 because I moved from Perth to Melbourne and I'd had, like, a bad breakup and a lot of things I was running away from and the whole song is about, you know, breaking up with someone and moving to the West Coast. Yeah. And like, I was feeling that quite strongly.
0: My thing as well, I, even at an age of 15, when that guy was bleaching his hair and going bored, I'm like, this band's hey? not going to last. I'm sorry, Michael Stipe and Phil Collins are the only two people I can think of at the top of my head who have maintained a career through boarding. Oh, actually, no, there's another person who we're going to uh, talk yeah, about. Yeah, who's
1: probably on both of our yeah, lists, yeah, so I okay, would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a bit of a bit of foreshadowing, actually. Well, I might even bring mine up now because this is number five on my list. It could be. Way up for you But the song oh, I've it chosen is. way up <laughs> On my list Is the song 1979 By the Smashing Pumpkins cool kids never have a time. Now oh, I should point out at the time in 1996, the Smashing Pumpkins in Bernie were right up there with another band who m- ranked very high. So Tool ranked number two in this list. I should also point out the number one song this year was uh, Spider Bait's Buy Me a Pony. So I think they were the first Australian band to hit the number one uh, on the hottest 100. But Smashing Pumpkins, it was like it's the band everyone was listening to in Bernie. It was like Smashing Pumpkins, Tool... Red hot chili peppers, Metallica, Pantera, and I'm thinking, out, like, this is the people who said they were into music, that's what they would listen to. And I was never really into it. I, I'm like, nah, it's, I'm not that, like, angry. I'm a kid from Bernie. I've got a pretty cool life. Uh, and then only recently going back, I was at, oh, what's, is it called the Pinnacle? It's in Fitzroy North. It's the, uh, the pub that's kind of on the corner that like the, the it's opposite uh, Is it opposite the one that looks like it's falling down? It's the one that looks like it's it's just on that corner, it's got a real wedge to it. Anyway. Oh,
1: it's a triangle and fits nice. Yeah, yeah yep. that one.
0: Okay. So I was there and they were playing the album this came off, Melancholy and the Infinite Sanders. And this was like five years ago. I was like, Wow, this album actually has dated really, really well as opposed to a lot of the other bands of this era because it was very much influenced by nirvana which was like three instruments that's all you need go for it Where billy corgan's doing like 180 guitar overdubs on one song and really was like yeah it's going to sound really good i mean i wouldn't want to work with the guy he seems like a bit of hard work but this song as well 1979 has one of the best film clips and it's so simple it's just driving around and then going into a convenience store yeah, and there's a
1: party. They go to a party. Yeah, that's, that's pretty right. much it.
0: Is it is it another one where they jump in the pool? Is this?
1: Yeah, there's a pool. I watched yeah. it today because yeah. the thing I remember about it most of all is the film clip. And it, again, it yeah. was me being eleven and watching Rage and Video Hits, and it's them spinning each other around in these big car tires and just kids goofing off. And
0: yeah,
1: I don't know why it stuck with me, but I remember it so clearly. It um, did see
0: it seems very dazed, dazed and confused. Inspired. I'm not sure which one was first, if the film was first or if this was first. But yeah, it's very much uh, of that era. Like thinking back to Americana, small town suburbs, driving around, looking for fun.
1: Well, this was actually my number one, Josh.
0: Your number one.
1: 1979 was my number one.
0: We've well, given it away too early. That's right. <laughs> I've peaked too soon. That's fine. It's a good song. I, I also my, I have another job sometimes where I work at the state library. And one of the, uh, one of the programs I run there is making zines with kids. And I didn't write the program, but another guy wrote it and he had a, uh, while you're making the zines with the kids, he has a playlist that you play, which kind of goes through this DIY culture. And it's, it's really cool. So it has all this like seventies punk and this mel like this Melbourne stuff. And, And but then this song, 1979, is on that playlist, and it's always that thing. I'm like, going, I don't think this is in with the zine culture, like, I just for me, but it's always the song I'm like, oh, good, I like this song. This is a song I can actually listen to, and I I know exactly how far we've gone in the session when this comes on. It's like, all right, the next song we need to pack up, so this is good, this is good. (laughs)
1: Uh, um, I think it doesn't quite fit with that '90s DIY vibe because it's very much Billy Corgan being nostalgic about his own '70s like yeah. upbringing. Like, yeah. I think you feel that really strongly through that song. Like, uh, it's uh, such a '90s song while being him thinking about the late '70s.
0: I should also point out this in in the actual chart when it, uh, number thirteen. Yeah. yeah, I should see where Santa Monica went. Do you know where Santa Monica was in the chart?
1: Real good question. Let me check. Oh,
0: I've got it here 24. There you 24. go. So pretty high. Yeah. Pretty high. All right. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Your number four, then, Bella.
1: My number four. Um, Where's my list? All right, I went for a real out-of-left-field one here. I was thinking about bangers that make me want to dance. And if you look at this 100, there are so many amazing bangers that would get you on a dance floor. Like, there are two Prodigy tracks. Yes. Um, There's Chemical Brothers. There's Born Slippy. Like, there's some great ones. But you know what would get me on a dance floor any day is um, Tori Amos' Professional Widow, the Armin Van Helden remix of it, which is at (laughs) 97. Um. (laughs) But that is such a tune. And it's I assume a, that we're going with the remix. It doesn't say so on the Hottest 100 list, but I'm like, who's listened to the original of that ever?
0: I think it's, let's go look. I've got the list in front of me. Is it the remix? So it would be, yeah, it's the, it's the remix. It's the Almond Star Trunk Funkin' Mix. I always do like a, a dumb name for the remix. It's like, why are you calling it that? Just call it the remix. Uh, but I, I think it's because it, that, it was when they used to do this thing put the album out and then like a year later, they'd re- release all the remixes to try and bump it back up there. And so, yeah, I'd say that's why the other Tori Amos stuff isn't in there. That's the only one. Uh, were you a big Tori Amos girl?
1: No, and I've always tried to be. So my favorite all-time recording artist is PJ Harvey. Yeah, and that seems to go hand in hand with liking Tori Amos and liking Björk, and yep. I've never been able to get into either at all.
0: Um, I yeah, I at theatre school, there's a lot of a lot of women in that course who were obsessed with uh, Tori Amos, and it was always that thing. And I talked about it with uh, Carla when she was on, uh, saying, you know, you can listen to Fiona Apple. Like there is a there is a <laughs> A better alternative than Tori yes. Amos here. Like, yeah. But not I that you have agree. to. You can listen to both. But, yeah, it was always that thing of me trying to convince people going, well, if you like Tori Amos, you should try Fiona Apple. Like, yeah. I was very early early Spotify uh, recommendations for people in my uni course.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, but, I think, to be fair, that that remix um, of Tori Amos probably belongs on a Ministry of Sound annual yeah. more so than it does on a Triple J Hottest 100, but...
0: It's I couldn't so
1: help
0: funny. myself. I love it. Oh, it's, it's great. But it's also so funny. Back then as well, you wouldn't have been able to listen to, uh, say, Smashing Pumpkins and this Tori Amos, re- Amos remix without people going, oh, are you into dance music? Oh, I thought you liked rock music. It's like you can like two things. In 96, you could not like two things. It was like you, you like one thing. That's it. That's it. Um, my friend Fleur, who I lived with for a little bit, she is the biggest Tori Amos fan I know. And she was living in uh, Tassie and then – Tori Amos was playing gigs at Hamer Hall and uh she didn't get a ticket she missed out on getting a ticket but she thought if I just fly over I might be able to sneak a ticket like there might be someone selling tickets out the front but they wasn't but she just went and waited in the foyer at the art center and they were playing the concert in the foyer and so she was like, oh this is great I can just listen to the entire concert I can't see it but I can listen to it and it was great and so she was doing back-to-back nights and then um the second night she went, she goes, I really enjoyed that. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and listen to the concert again. And they played the first song and then they turned it off. And she went over to the, um, the usher and was like, oh, last night you played it in the in the foyer. I'm just wondering if you're going to do that again. They said, no, no, we've been told we're not allowed to. And so Fleur was like, okay. And then went into the bathroom. And then as she was in the bathroom, there was a bunch of women in there as well to make the concert. And so they all walked in. And so Fleur just thought, if I just grab to these women and I just walk in with them, they're going to check two tickets, three tickets, and then if I'm at the back, they're not going to check everyone's ticket. And so she did that and it was – she got in, but then she was like, this is full. Where am I going to go? Yeah. It's seated. There's no – so she walked all the way down the aisle looking to see if there was any room. And there, in the front row, in the centre, there was one spare seat. So she just went and sat in that seat and just watched Tori Amos.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm that- trying to
1: imagine having the nerve to do that. Like I, I get nervous like having 13 items in the 12-item or less aisle <laughs> at the supermarket. Like for someone who kind of presents as a bit of a badass, as I like to yeah. think I do, I'm like, yeah, arbitrary rules terrify me.
0: That that's- uh, all right. Here is probably the song on my list which is most out of left field and this one is What's Come Over Me by Frente from the album Shape.
1: Okay. So interesting. Actually you talk about why, then I'll tell you my thoughts about it.
0: Okay. Now when I, I bought this album, when I was in, in grade 10 in 1996, I very much enjoyed Frente. I had a massive crush on Angie Hart ever since she did the cover of Juice magazine. And for those who don't know, she did the cover of Juice magazine where she was uh, naked, but she was holding herself. So you couldn't see anything, but it was like, Oh, that's, I'm in love with that woman. And then, uh, it was back when, like, when you bought an album when you were that uh, that age, you really had to invest in the time into listening to the album. And so as a 14, 15-year-old kid, probably not aimed at me, I'm not going to say that Angie Hart and the band were writing this for a 15-year-old kid in suburban uh, Bernie, but I love this Like I listened to this album so much as a kid because also I only had like 10 albums to choose from. So I was like, all right, this is going on again. And uh, I remember in year 12 doing a uh, dance piece to this song and it was like, all right, yeah. So when this was on the list, I went, oh, that's got to go in. That's got to go in.
1: What was the dance piece like?
0: Oh, very, very, took myself very, very seriously when I was doing dance, Bella. I was oh, very much, it was, you know, your modern contemporary type of dance. It's beautiful. Very much like doing a bit of this action with my arms, like swinging around. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. All right. So that's my number four.
1: Not to not to offend, but I have, if you ask me, would always say that I don't like Fronte. And I've never really thought about it too hard other than all I know is is accidentally Kelly Street. And I'm just yeah. been like, God, that song annoys me. Yeah. And I know so many people who are just a little bit older than me who love them. And I'm always just like, no, not for me. But because we were doing this podcast, I went and listened to a lot of the tracks. So I'm like, I don't know that song Um from this hottest 100 and God, so many of them, I was like, I didn't need to know this song. It's yeah. fine. Why does this exist? But that front a track is the one that I went, this is actually really good. I should yeah. listen to them.
0: It is really funny because it was that thing of like that first album of theirs, which was all very accidentally Kelly street and a lot that day, a lot that da 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 Yep, has not dated well, but also I think Angie Hart was 17 when she was writing those songs. And this is what I always find funny when like the Late Show did the Accidentally Was Released, which is such a a mean-spirited type of song in terms of like she was like 18 at the time and then this really popular show is just making fun of an 18-year-old, you know, just having a go writing some songs. So it was like a parody of it? Yeah, it was a parody and it was the parody was Accidentally Was Released and it was like pretty much just saying this is an annoying song, you're annoying. And it really does tell you that, you know, in 1993, 92 – uh, punching down was fine, like, <laughs> whereas we've come we've come a bit further now that, you know, people would go, yeah, that's not cool. You guys are in a position of power here. You don't need to rip a brand-new artist to shreds just because you think that she's a little bit annoying. She's probably not writing it for you guys. That's what you got to remember. It's a good film clip for this one too. All right, if, I'll if check it out. It's clips. now
1: on my list. You've actually changed my mind about Great. Front a, so that's well,
0: something. just this album. The rest is, you know, the first album. Not so much.
1: Just this album. All yeah. right, noted.
0: All right, your number three, Bella.
1: Okay, my number three is Not A Surf, popular. He'll appreciate
0: the kind of straightforward manner in which you told him your decision. Unless he's a real jerk or a crybaby, you remain friends. Class. Another great film clip. I don't remember
1: the film clip. I don't was, even seen it.
0: It was set in a high school. It was all yeah. It would have to be. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my friend Dion was a big Nada Surf fan, like pretty much off the back of this song. And Is that I possible?
1: Because t- it's a one hit wonder.
0: Yeah, but he had the album, and it was like yeah, Nada oh. Surf. And when we lived together at uni, he was very much still listening to not a surf not a
1: surf i was like did they ever have another hit i'm like didn't they do the theme song to buffy i was like no that was nerf herder yeah um they definitely did not have another hit i feel like a hottest 100 always has a ton of like novelty songs in it yeah and this is almost a novelty song to me yeah but i think it's it's still so listenable i don't know At
0: at the end of the show i always do honorable mentions this was in my honorable mentions
1: Ah, uh, beautiful. So this one, oh, can I have an honorable mention? That's yes,. So, can.
0: so this another song that's in that kind of mold in this uh, list is standing outside a broken phone box. I booth.
1: love that song. Yeah, that's not in my list, but I love
0: it. I forgot all about that song and I realized, and then I listened to back to the list and went, oh, this is actually a really, really good song. I, I don't know what happened to that band either, but yeah, I'm sure they've done stuff. I'm sure I could look it up. I know how to use the internet.
1: Well, I did look up when I was seeing If Not A Surf had any other songs. They are still going. They're still making music. They're still touring. Like they right. pretty much never stopped. And Excellent. And I think they were like, yeah, it's both a blessing and a curse to have this one song that yeah. people, like we, if we don't play it, someone will get mad and if we do play it, someone will get mad. And... Yeah.
0: I reckon there's a lot of bands like that and if they stick it with it long enough, they come around again to, all right, we're going to play this song. It's like... uh Radiohead never played Creep for so long And I think now they've come back around Oasis didn't play Wonderwall for years and years and years And now Liam belts it out at his, at his solo gigs uh, Yeah, I think you kind of You must get sick of it You must get sick of someone asking you the entire time Just play this song, play this song, play this song and You're like, I've worked really hard on these ones And then you get to an age where you're like Yeah, alright, this is not about us anymore, is it? It's about you and nostalgia so This is what the people want That is a good number three Great number three. Thank you. you. My my number three is a song which also fits the one-hit wonder by Baby Bird called You're Gorgeous. Oh, no. Remember that tank top you bought me? You wrote You're
1: Gorgeous on it. You took me to your rented motor car And filmed me on the bonnets You got me to hitch my knees up And pulled my legs apart You took an Instamatic
0: camera And pulled my sleeves around my heart Big as your... It's a, and it was another one hit one, and another was played a lot. Like this was really, really flogged. I can't remember where it came on the list. I think it was quite high though. It's
1: really high. It's like top ten, top twenty. Yeah.
0: Number ten. Yeah. Number ten. Yeah. So it's like for the listeners, I've played a little bit of it. It's it's catchy, but it's also one of those songs where it's like it goes through stages. I think a lot of these songs in the list it's got oh it's got a really great bit in this section and then it they changes it as well. I'm not sure if I, know, I won't say it in case it's on your list but um there's another band who I really like is in my honorable mentions who do this and I'm like oh if only the whole song sounded like that little hook it'd be great but I'm sure if they could do the whole song like that hook it wouldn't be the same song so yeah
1: Yeah uh, I saw that one that one and oh, I probably shouldn't say what else made me feel the same way as that in case it's on your list either I'll yeah I'll hold my tongue on All
0: right yeah. Okay so we're up to number two. This is exciting. Number two.
1: All right. Well, you already know what my number one is because yeah, it's I know. 1979. So this is my big one. I thought I actually agree with the listeners. I think Buy Me a Pony is,
0: it is a good absolutely song. tremendous.
1: It's like- I'm very happy to put that at number two. That is like one minute and 45 seconds of heaven.
0: I remember listening to this live and being very excited when I realised that was going to be number one. It's not on my list, but I do. But also Spider-Bait were one of those bands that everyone loves Spider-Bait. And I'm not sure when that changed because it really did change. It was really that Spider-Bait, really cool, really cool, really cool, and now, oh, no, we don't like Spider-Bait anymore.
1: It's like oh my god they covered Black Betty. No one is listening to this. This is so lame. Well, that was yeah, is that what it was? Maybe it was I the cover it's that of, era. Yeah,
0: it was. Yeah, and I guess also their fans kind of aged out of being into music and so it was like we're not going out. But also I remember Spiderbait had a really big reputation of their gigs being quite frenetic and quite like dangerous in the pit. And I remember it, the first time I saw uh, Girling who might were my favorite band for many many years. Uh They were supporting uh, Spiderbait and it was – I was there to see Girling and then Spiderbait happened around – like then their fans kind of just gathered around me. This was at the saloon bar in Launceston in 1999. (laughs) And uh, when – I remember I was with my girlfriend at the time and we just had to leave the pit when this song came on. And that other song they used to play, which was about – was it – they have a song about drinking beer or was it a song about – Was it We're All Here drinking beer, drinking beer? I do not remember that. I think they did. I think it was one of the earlier ones and it was like this is going crazy. I actually fear for my life because there's a whole bunch of people in Launceston who are just angry and just want to fight people and that's why people would go to the saloon in the first place and uh, I was like, I've got to get out. I've got to get out to the next level. I've got to go up and watch from the balcony.
1: I think I've had nothing but scary experiences in Launceston as a whole. So. As I a whole, this. as a whole is correct.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember when I moved from Launceston to Melbourne, and people were, were like, "Oh, do you feel like unsafe in Melbourne?" Like, I, I've I've lived in Launceston for five years. I feel so much safer in Melbourne than I do. I used to walk. Every, I used to go to the Corner, and I was living in Fitzroy, and walk from Richmond to Fitzroy pretty much every Friday or Saturday night. And like, yeah, I, I feel completely safe doing this, just walking down. Hoddle Street, then crossing like the dark alleyways. I would never do that now. But as a dumb 19-year-old going, yeah, this is fine. Like, no, how old? 22. Yeah, just going, yeah, this is fine. Still dumb. I Uh, think growing
1: up in suburban Perth made me feel very much the same way and still does. When I go there for Perth Fringe, sometimes walking around Northbridge at night, I'm like, nothing freaks me out quite as much as Perth does. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Northbridge and the Valley in Brisbane both have a, a, a bad energy about the place and... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Northbridge at night. It's lovely in the day. Uh, so number two, you chose the number two. Why, why number two? Why number two?
1: Well, when I first looked at it, you know, when you look at a Hottest 100 and you either instantly go yes or no when you look at the number one pick. Yeah. Like I looked at this and I was just like, yes, that feels perfect to me. I love this track. I love that it's an Australian band. I love that it's the first Australian band to get it. I love that this is a song that I still love any time it comes on. Yeah. I love that it's a song that when it finishes I'll listen to it again. Um yeah, the only reason it's not number 1 for me is because 1979
0: yeah. is better. Now that I know that you you don't have a song that's number that is in the list. Now, I want to talk about Underground by Ben Folds 5.
1: Ah. Cuz
0: if this if I was doing this list as a 15 16 year old boy, that would have been One or two for me. I loved that song. But now I cannot – I don't like Ben Folds 5 or Ben Folds as a performer. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but his songs – and this is bad from someone who does musical comedy, but I think he's inspired too many bad musical comedians and that's not a good thing.
1: Okay, I really like Ben Folds uh, and Ben Folds 5 – like not an artist I've listened to much in recent times, but I've always really liked them. I never liked Underground as a song. I re-listened to it for this and I still didn't like it. Is that the Reinhold Mesner album?
0: Uh, I can't remember which album it was. It was the one before Brick. It was the first album, yeah.
1: It's from whichever album I didn't care for. I still don't care for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like quite twee and earnest and I... uh,
0: Well, I... It's funny because... I loved it and it, that every year there was always like a novelty song that did quite well and I think Underground at first was kind of like a novelty song. Like there's uh, songs like Detachable Penis by King Missile, which did really well. And it's like uh, this is kind of like it's a funny song and then you get it and I think that's why Pretty Fly for a White Guy won in like 1998 99 that year. And Thrift Shop even, yeah, like all, it's all, continues yeah, Every year, but I'm not sure if they still have have that now. You don't have the novelty songs like they used to. Back then, which was like, this is clearly just a joke. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's that's pretty funny. Like it, it's got it's got humor in the song, but it, yeah, but it's. And I think Ben Folds was a big one for that, going, oh yeah, this is a funny song. And then they came out and they performed on the on Carrie Anne's uh, midday show and trashed the set, which is still very funny. Probably even funnier now that we all know what Carrie Anne can like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my number two. This song came in at number 52 in the Hottest 100 of that year. You've already said that you can't get into her, but this is Björk's Hyper Ballad. Ah. Which is, I I love Björk and I think that especially this era of hers was probably the best as well. Also, great film clip. And it has a memory for me that I remember I was walking up Cradle Mountain. Friends of mine, we went uh, to Cradle Mountain for a weekend and this was probably 2000, 2000, yeah, the year 2000. And I had a, a tape, I had my Walkman and my friend's, we were just absolute rots. And uh, my friend Giannis, uh when we were going there, he said, oh, I've got to stop in and get some supplies at KFC. And for the whole, uh, we were there for three nights. The whole time, he, he just bought two buckets of chicken and that's all he had for those uh, three nights. He had that and a boom box. And we walked up Crown Mountain and he was carrying a boom box with him that was playing music. And I'm like, thinking back now, I'm like going, oh, we ruined Cradle Mountain for a lot of people that day. Like just a bunch <laughs> of absolute gutter punks just being idiots. But I, like, so they all went back uh, to the campsite so, and me and a couple others went, no, no, we're going to walk to the summit and we'll look out. And remember when we got to the very top, this song Hyper Battle came on and the first line of it is, I live on a mountain. And I was like, oh, this is, oh, this fits it so well. Oh, this is amazing. I've, I've like, you know. I've timed this really well. And so for that reason alone, it's way up in my list because every time I think about this song, I'm like, oh, Cradle Mountain, oh, Yannis and his Bucket of KFC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's attached to a
1: time and place. Yes. But see, my main thing I've got Bjork attached to is I got way too drunk at a party and some friends took me home and were like, just crash on our couch, sleep, you're a mess, and they yeah. put on the Vespertine album just yep. for some background music um, and <laughs> it's just somehow ingrained being vomitously drunk and having a yeah. terrible night way too early into my head.
0: My other Bjork memory was when I realized that I, I might not be emotionally mature as my other friends and uh, my girlfriend at the time when we watched uh dancer in the dark at the cinema. And uh, at the end of it, when the credits started rolling, I was like, Oh, cool. Let's go. Let's go. And I turned around and the people I went with were all bawling hysterically. And was like, no, just wait, just wait a bit. I'm like, all right, and just wait and they're going. It was just a movie. Bjork's still fine, you know, like it's it's and then all just still cry and had to wait until the credits all finished, the lights came up, and I like, alright, oh, just give you a bit of time. I'm like, Alright, I would really like to go though. Like this is like I'm, they're gonna be cleaning up in here in a minute. I've got to gotta get out of here. I don't wanna get in the way of someone doing their job. So that was, yeah, when another Bjork memory for myself.
1: I really hated that
0: movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I wouldn't want to watch it again. But no, I don't it was. think anyone would
1: want to watch that twice, even if they really enjoyed it. Yeah. it's pretty depressing.
0: But I, I would recommend watching it once. If you've not seen it and you listen to this, give, give it a go. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or anything like that. I don't think Gus Van Sant, is he the one who directed it? Yeah, I think so. I think he, I think he hates it. Or he hated working with her and she hated working Ooh. with him. Yeah. Because apparently on the director's commentary at the end of it, he goes, well, that was that. What a piece of shit. And then, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, that's on that. All right. Your number one, we know what number one is, but let's explain. 1979, Smashing Pumpkins. Are you a big Smashing Pumpkins fan?
1: Yeah, I got into pumpkins pretty heavily in like early 2000s when I became a goth. Yep. Uh, um when I was 16 I met this guy I was going to high school with called Spike and Spike had like the new metal twisted hair and yep. black nail polish and eyeliner and he goes to me one day he's like if you come into the city with me I know everyone and I was like I don't know what this means but I'm down and we go into the city and at Forest Chase, which is like the public square, is just this sea of unemployed teenage goths. They're all like, hey, Spike, when he comes in. And I was just like, wow, you do know everyone. This is so cool. And so suddenly I was like dyeing my hair black and borrowing my mom's black dressing gown and trying to turn it into a trench coat. And yeah, got really into Nine Inch Nails and Smashing Pumpkins and everything else that the teenage goths were listening to at the time.
0: It's good, it, like you, if you you know you're really committed. If you can do it in Perth, if you can be a goth where it's hot, in summer. Yeah, that's that is commitment. That's way it's way more impressive than these people in like grew up in like Birmingham or Manchester. I was like, yeah, big deal. It's it's cold. Like yeah, it's easy to dress in a trench coat. Like yeah.
1: I didn't personally do it, but a lot of the girls I hung out with would wax off their eyebrows so they could just draw them on, oh, like the dash goth eyebrow. And um, watching a girl try to draw on an eyebrow with a pencil in forty degrees is the yeah. most terrifying thing.
0: The, the very thin eyebrow, I lived through that. That was a big, that was a big thing in Tasmania. The very thin, thin, thin eyebrow. Like, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we've now come to our senses and people are like, hey, you can have your eyebrows. It's fine. You don't have to wax them off.
1: Yeah, there were definitely kids listening to Smashing Pumpkins when I was in high school, like yeah. more like the year 2000. Um, but I wasn't cool enough to actually be listening to them. It's definitely something I got into after when I met cool people. who listened yeah. to. Yeah,
0: so. so my thing with the Smashing Pumpkins, even though I like it now, but growing up when everyone was like listening to them, they were trying to explain it to me. I'm like, I just if I don't get it, I'm not going to get it by you explain. I'm not going to appreciate it anymore by you explaining it to me. It's either I like the song. Or I'll get it in my own time. Having someone go, no, no, listen to this bit. You've really got to appreciate It's just going to put anyone off the music. Like, it's always that thing of like, I'm always, people like, uh, people sometimes get surprised when they're travelling with me in a car and I'm not trying to play music all the time. I'm very happy to have no music in the car. And everyone's like, oh, I thought you'd be into like, you know, DJing. And I'm like, I don't care if you guys like the music I like. It's I like them. I didn't write it. It's just music I like. I like. And so I think Smashing Pumpkins, I had a flatmate, Mick, who, was very much into bands like the Smashing and Pumpkins and also Ben Harper and Tool, and was trying to explain the musicality of it to me. And this is before I played any instruments, and I was like, "Yeah, it's you're making it sound like maths. I don't want to do homework when I'm listening to music. Just let me, just let me listen to it." Yeah.
1: Is there anything worse than a Tool fan though? Because like Stinkfist <laughs> is number two in this playlist, and I was like, I love Tool. I love that song, and I just Find tool fans the worst people on earth, and I'm like, So, where does that leave me if I like yep. tool? I just I, couldn't address that problem, so I put it down.
0: I still very much love Andy Falkers from the band McCluskey and Future, uh, uh, Future of the Left. Did you <laughs> see McCluskey
1: when they toured?
0: I saw McCluskey recently, yeah, they were amazing. Andy came on the podcast, <sighs> yeah, it was great, but uh, he um, he describes uh tool as uh hippies who dress like they're in the matrix, which I'm like, Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> a perfect exact like yeah, a perfect description of what Tool are. Uh, but yeah, no, McCluskey, uh the best live band I saw this year, which unfortunately stopped in February. I didn't see I had tickets else for that. and I couldn't go. Oh so, no. um,
1: yeah, feeling that. Alright. Yeah, no, I feel like anyone who likes Tool or has tried to explain Tool to me was also like holding a copy of a Richard Dawkins book and yeah. talking about their experiences on ayahuasca to me at the same time. And I was just I'm like, sure, can I, we just enjoy this album? Yeah, okay.
0: I'm sure there's a lot of cool and fun tool fans, but I'm also sure there's a lot of guys in fedora saying, well, actually, uh <laughs> Yeah, so my number one, my number one, uh, which this in the, in the list came in very, very far back. I, I was going to say, I think it's number 72. Drum roll, list. please. 71. 71 in the list, and I still think it is the best song of 96. It is Disco 2000 by Pulp. That's in my
1: honourable mention.
0: it was uh, like Pulp was the, the band that my friend Justin Hayeswood, who also went by The Bedroom Philosopher for many years, uh, we kind of, it was his band really. He was really much, I love Pulp and dressed like Jarvis Cocker for many, many years. And so this song as well, very much at parties, we would be like putting this on and singing, singing this to each other. And avoiding people's glances in Bernie going, uh, uh, I think you guys are gay." It's like, nah, we just like music. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. But have you, think... have you seen, uh, Pulp or Jarvis Cocker?
1: I've seen Jarvis Cocker solo. Yeah. I saw him great. at a Meredith, I think at a Meredith. Yeah. Maybe a decade ago. And he was amazing live.
0: Yeah. I saw him in at the forum and he had a book of Australian phrases and he'd just go, is this the real one? And be like, Snot Log. I went down to the shop to buy a Snot Log. And he'd go, yes, <laughs> that's the real one. But he said a few that weren't. But what I loved about that gig, he came out and he said, uh, Your name is, and we'll just say different names, and then go, My name is Jarvis. And, you're na-, and then he had the song, I think it's Angela or something like that. I can't remember the name of the song. It's off his solo album. And then just started playing that. I'm like, Oh, you're actually a really good front man. You are actually. Not, there's not there's a reason why you've got a career that lasts like almost 40 years now. Like you actually are very, very good at this.
1: Yeah, I remember when we saw him, again, Pulp is very much one of my best friend's favourite bands yeah. and they're a band I really enjoy, but it's more her thing than mine. Um, And yeah, when we saw him solo at Meredith, I was like, I'm converted.
0: Yeah.
1: He's, yeah, he's a front man. He's amazing. Yeah. I also think um the lyric how does it go? Your name was Deborah, but it never suited you. Yeah. And he manages to rhyme Deborah and suited you. Yeah. And it's, oh, that's perfect. That's yeah. a real
0: skill. It's very good. Now, also I, there's a whole bunch of bands I didn't mention in this that I, I still listen to. So the Lemonheads, uh, were made this list with, uh, if I could talk, I'd tell you not the best song off that album. Um, and that album is amazing. It's, a sh- uh, it's not as a chamber, it's car button cloth, uh, outdoor type is on that. Why didn't that make the list? I don't know. Uh, Devil's haircut and uh, what else is on there? Uh, a whole bunch of Beck stuff because he released Odelay that year. Not on my list, but almost, almost made it. But I'm like, I had to have room for the other ones. Uh, one song I thought would be on your list but didn't make it uh, was uh, "Bulls on Parade" by Rage Against Machine. I don't know why I had you pegged as a Rage Against Machine fan.
1: Uh, I feel so um, cozy, cozy about um, Rage Against the Machine. Like I. Don't so feel particularly positive or negative. I'll hear yeah. a rage track and be like, "Yeah, this is a good song." I have never really, yeah, yeah. I quite like that you've perceived me as a, a fan. Like that's something like that's I'd like to be seen as a fan of <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> that's quite cool.
0: So did you only have the one uh, honorable mention? Was that Disco? 2000? Oh, I could or... go forever, but the big
1: one I didn't put on there was um, "Glycerine" by Bush.
0: Yeah, that was that was also a very big song in Bernie. That and the Live that throwing, copper oh, that was, lives throwing Copper album. I
1: love Live Throwing Copper albums.
0: That were the two, every single, I reckon every single person from my generation had those two albums in their collection. Yeah. Uh, another one which I almost had in uh, is El Scorcho by Weezer. Uh, mainly because I think Weezer were one of those bands which got me into other bands. So I'm not a big Weezer fan. I like the Blue Album. That's a really good album. And and this Pinkerton's great as well. But uh, it was all the bands that were inspired by Pinkerton that I got into a bit later that I'm like, oh, yeah, I I see where the lineage of this comes from. Uh, And the other one, which I was from, is uh, The Eels, Novocaine for the Soul, great song. And Susan's House is the song where I'm like, oh, the hook in Susan's House is great. Mm And then the talking bits, I'm like, all right, I can, I can skip over this, but I want to get back to that hook. Yes.
1: Never quite got eels. Like, I always feel like I want to like them a little bit more than I do.
0: Yeah. I, I there's a few bands like that. I, I used to say that about Ryan Adams. Oh, oh just I love it. Like, Ra- yeah. Are you, it, are you allowed just to still love Ryan Adams? I know. Adams? Well, you, this <laughs> is behind the paywall. You can say that behind the paywall. Yeah, no sick. one's going to cancel you. But I, yeah, I, I, Heartbreaker is a great album. And then there's a few other songs that I quite like. And then I'm like, oh, the idea of Ryan Adams is better than Ryan Adams. Like the idea of this guy who's like country inspired and really kind of like verbose and writes these, and, and writes just lots and lots of songs. I'm like, oh, I, I like the idea of this. And then I hear his songs. I'm like, oh, I want to get into it. I, I just can't. Like, yeah. It's all, it always fair. feels like there's team team Ryan Adams or team Wilco. it feels like they're they're against each other.
1: No, I love both. Oh. Yeah,
0: I like Wilco. Almost named my son Wilco. Hey Bella, this has been lots and lots of fun. Thank you so much for uh, being a guest on Top Five. Hey, uh, thanks everyone for being Patreon subscribers. You guys are the absolute best. Make sure you fill in the comments underneath your top five of this list. There's some really really great songs in there. Your Minds in there as well. I didn't I didn't put any of their songs in though though because please don't ask me smiles on the list hey Bella always a pleasure see you next time bye. thanks Josh bye